Hello and welcome back to the fire. Once again, we got <laughs> Justin and Peter and myself just chilling, um, burning up. It's hot in here. We're cooking. How are we doing this morning? I'm doing well. I'm all good too. <laughs> Glad to hear it. <laughs> all right. So this week we're gonna be uh we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about First Peter chapter one, um, spe- specifically the first half and kind of how it is a reminder of our great salvation and kind of what Peter's doing here. Um, well, Peter, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to be on this show. <laughs> I, don't think, <laughs> I don't think Thomas should be just talking about everything that I'm doing. <laughs> it's not you. It's Simon, Peter. <laughs> oh. Mm, that explains it. <laughs> so if you guys are confused about which Peter we're talking about, um... Just gonna have to deal with it, I guess. I guess we could say Simon Peter every time we address Simon Peter. <laughs> um, you know what? Let's. <laughs> all right. I feel like that would just add on about ten unnecessary seconds to the episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right then. Maybe, maybe we'll just say Peter, and the listeners can deal. <laughs> well, all right. Um, do you guys want to say anything before we jump into it? Um, I'll say I've dealt with being in, in the church, having to differentiate between being called Peter and learning about Peter. So <laughs> I think you all can deal with it. <laughs> mm, nice. I have not faced that problem. I have nothing more to add. <laughs> Talk about <Okay>. persecution. <laughs> <laughs> People say my name and they don't mean me. <laughs> the woes of having a biblical name in the church. <laughs> yes. Well, to give the book of Peter some, some general context, so we kind of know what we're stepping into here because it is, it is the beginning of the letter. Um, this letter was in response to Nero's burning of Rome. Uh, and Nero, Nero basically wanted to expand and build Rome, and to do that, he needed space. So he decided to make some space with fire. And <laughs> does <laughs> he, he burned down like all of Rome? And then, because you know everybody hated him and they didn't want their stuff to burn down, uh, crazy thought, right? Nero's like, oh man, I need to win the people back on my side. And so what he did is he he spread a rumor saying that Christians were the ones who set the fire in Rome. <gasps> and and people just ate that up. They're like, man, Christians hate them. And so the rumor spread, travels fast throughout throughout the, the Near East. And soon all Pretty much Christians everywhere in that area were were under pretty heavy persecution, um, and so 
Peter, you, Simon Peter, uses this letter <laughs> to help guide the early church through like present persecution that they were going through. Um, and over the, the course of the whole, the whole book, the whole letter, it's, uh, it's, there are three big reminders that he, he gives the people in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. 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 Um, he, he sends this letter out to all of them. It's addressed to all of them. And it's basically three reminders. One, a reminder of our great salvation. Two, a reminder of the example Christians should set. And three, a reminder about the Lord, our God. Uh, and today we're going to be we're going to be looking at a reminder of our great salvation and inheritance that we have. Um, yeah, no, I love it. It's great. So we don't have too much reading to do today. So would you? Yeah, guys... this might this might be the shortest number of verses that, or the fewest number of verses that we've had. Yeah, it's just uh, six verses mm-hmm. or seven. Um, so who wants, who wants to take it? Who wants to take the bulk of the reading for the day? Sign me up. All right, Jay. I was hoping you would say that. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me which verses exactly I am reading. First Peter one, three through nine. Okay. Here we go. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy gotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory. Revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. <laughs> though now That's you do not stopped. see him. No. I'll, I'll <laughs> this paragraph out. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Mm. Did did you have to go past verse 9 in your version? I just finished verse 9. Okay, yeah. Nice. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) How much verses you said. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. Well, we we will reread 8 and 9 as we come up to it. So, thou art chilling. Um, yeah, so, anything you guys just want to generally say about verses 3 through 9 as before we, like, really get into it? I did want to back up real quick to verses 1 through 2. Let's do it. So, Peter is writing this. Uh, and, and you said early church. This is, like, years after Jesus is crucified. Um, and scholars believe a couple years before Peter is executed just for fun to throw that out there. Um, 
So nothing fun about Peter, that. <laughs> Peter addresses <laughs> Peter addresses this um, the pilgrims of the dispersion in all those areas that Thomas mentioned at the start, um, which kind of brings back the idea about a couple weeks ago and what's going to come up again today, the thought of being strangers in a strange land. So he's writing this letter to Christians all throughout Asia Minor, which is like Turkey, present-day Turkey. Um, so targeting it to like one specific does in his letters, but he's writing this and dispersing it to Christians who are scattered among the nations, which is kind of a cool thing. Definitely. Cool indeed. Yeah. All right. So I can. Yeah. No, go just, ahead. Just real quick. Um, yeah, these verses are very hopeful. Um, very hopeful. Like, and there's a lot to unpack in each verse. I think that's why we're, we only need to focus on so few verses because um, they're packed with a lot, a lot of stuff to unpack. Uh, and. <laughs> And yeah, so they're hopeful, and there's also a good, I think there's a good contradiction between things that are perishable and things that only last for a short time and things that are unperishable, and we will, I mean, we'll definitely get into that. Um, but yeah, that's all I wanted to say in the beginning. All right. Yeah. No, there's definitely a lot to unpack. Imagine we are hikers hiking through these verses and that never mind this is not, this is going nowhere i did not know where um, you were going with yeah, that one no i'm not, I'm not going anywhere um imagine <laughs> never mind no i, I got nothing the, this. the effort no. the effort was there at the beginning though. It was. i appreciate trying to bring an analogy into it <laughs> i tried that's okay imagine these verses are our backpack <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> and as we read and talk about them we are going to be unpacking the wisdom the lord has left for us and go. so graciously revealed to us yeah yes well all right <laughs> that's, that's unique that is unique right there there we go <laughs> that's where i was going yeah so verse three Peter, Peter kicks off this chapter by describing the Christian inheritance. Um, and I guess, you know what? It's in verse 4, actually. <laughs> to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Um, these words are just like so great. They, they, they really perfectly describe and characterize like the non-decaying, non-withering, non-polluted gift that Jesus Christ's sacrifice was to us and that the Holy that because of that the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us that is, the Holy Spirit is our inheritance through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Um, we are called children of God. We are called heirs according to Christ. And that is non-decaying, non-withering, non-polluted. It is pure it is forever, and it is guarded by God's own power. Uh, it's we don't have to worry about like becoming illegitimate from our inheritance because it is God who is giving it to us. It is God who is setting it apart for us, and He has. And it's a very 
it's a very nice and assuring thing. Um, so I, I, I really love that. What do you guys, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think you brought up a good point. The, the language of this whole chapter, if you read all of chapter one, but especially this opening part, it's just beautiful. I mean, and actually it's funny. I, I was reading before we started, um, the introduction to first Peter in my Bible and most everyone agrees that Peter did write this, but those who are, uh, who challenge that idea do so largely on the fact that the book is so beautifully written that it could not have been written by Peter because Peter was just a simple fisherman who never had an education and, uh, and would never have been able to write like this. Um, so they attribute it and say, maybe Paul wrote this book, but, I mean, most people are able, like t- timing of the book, who it's addressed to, where it's written from, and all it, it, everything points to Peter writing it. But I think it's neat, and it points to how deep and how incredible the like the actual words that Peter uses are. I mean, if you look at verses three through five that we we just read, you know, abundant mercy begotten us to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to an inheritance incorruptible undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you um, who are kept by the God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. It's just a beautiful piece of uh, literature here, a beautiful, and, you know, I think there's a reason for that. Peter was inspired to write it this way. And um, I think it's definitely an inspired, uh, inspired piece of writing yeah exactly (laughs) you can see it clearly here definitely yeah i like i like the use of the word literature and that important context of could it be peter that wrote this because it is so um profound and yeah i think that points down to it being inspired by god and i really think i believe as christians we believe that the bible is how god reveals himself to us and so you could see God revealing himself to, um, I guess, to us, but also at the time, to all these pilgrims and these places through Peter. Um, and then he's inspiring Peter to write in this way, which is really cool. Um, I really like these first three verses because, uh, like I said in the beginning, it's very hopeful. It introduces us to this living hope. Uh, and it unpacks what that living hope is in the next verse as an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away and then why we can cling to this hope is because it is kept by the power of god through our faith for salvation so it's not something that can be taken away because god is keeping us it's his power that um preserves this hope and all the way to the end and that's uh really a good way to start this uh this letter because it is at a time when Christians were being heavily persecuted. And so this is, I mean, a great kickstart to it and to help um, sort of help these, the audience navigate the, this very real persecution that they're facing. Mm-hmm. I like, I like how he, he goes into directly into like the hope that we have in Jesus. And he immediately is like, he doesn't focus on the persecution, but he focuses on why they're Christian. Why they're Christian because of the hope that they have. And it's this hope that we live for. And this, it's this hope that we live by. 
and it's and then he, he gets into it uh, later but and yeah we can we can move on to that um but it's really cool to just be like yeah like we're christian because we hope yeah and it's great uh and i also want like the beginning of verse three through five, blessed be the God of Father uh, and God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has given us. So everything else that we read, all this beautiful language, talking about beautiful things, living hope, inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away, power of God, salvation. Um, I imagine this almost like a big, giant, beautiful mansion. And all those things are that that is the mansion, that is the house, our inheritance. That is it. That's where we're going. But the first thing that Peter mentions in verse 3, outside of God the Father and Jesus Christ, is his abundant mercy, which has given us all of this. So if that's like the mansion, the mercy here is like the only door, the main door leading in. And the only reason that we can get there is because of this incredible mercy that we've been given. Um, and uh, it's been too long since we've had a Charles Spurgeon quote. But I have one it for us. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been too long. I have a good one. Um, talk. Mercy is everything for us because it is the only thing that has access to all this because God has shown us this mercy and we don't deserve that mercy, but we have it. So the quote says, no other attribute helped us mercy and refused. As we are by nature, justice condemns us Holiness frowns upon, power crushes us, truth is of the law, and wrath fulfills it. It is from the mercy of our God that all our hopes begin. So without mm. mercy, other would absolutely destroy us because of our natural sinful state. Which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. definitely. No, it's a great word. It's a great time to reintroduce a Spurgeon quote. A great way to do it too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Our old friend Charles Spurgeon. He's he's like that that you know with the coffin who <laughs> that's Charles Spurgeon coming back into this podcast <laughs> when he sits up and he's back. <laughs> well, I can visualize it. All right, do we have anything more to say here? Uh, on verses three through five? Yeah. I do not. Not yet. Um, yeah, all right. Well, let's move on to six and seven. Let's. Um, so, so here is when Peter first gets into the the subject of persecution. Um, In this, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through its tested, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in, in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, and that, 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 that's just more gorgeous language that Peter's using here. However, there are, there's like main, there are five things that Peter is using here in 
versus six and seven. Um, mainly six, I believe. But it is there are five things he's saying about trials and about turmoil and trouble and temptation and all all that jazz. Um, the first thing is trials last a short time. Um, you can see that in verse six now for a little while. Um, like trials aren't gonna your life isn't your life is gonna have trials. Your life is gonna have a lot of trials, but it's not gonna be only trials. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of short trials that that test you. Um, and I I mean take that with a grain of salt too, because you, you can have some pretty long trials in life. Yeah. Um, t- it's not like the trials dominate over dominate everything and make your life completely 100% miserable like the trials are temporary and they work as we'll see they work for good and and with an eternal perspective uh trials that happen in this life are very minuscule true i mean anything that happens in this life significant they are significant i don't don't want to like downplay people who are going through trial like they, they are significant um but in the long run, they have a purpose. Yes. Lesser than an eternal. Lesser life. than eternal, lesser than the power of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the second, second thing, um, trials serve a purpose. Um, various trials so that where's, oh yeah, for a little while, if necessary, if necessary there. The trials serve a purpose. Um, the it, it sucks to think about this in that way. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, this trial that I'm going through most definitely is a purpose and has purpose in my life. <laughs> um, just because we, we like to live comfortable, comfortable, easy lives. Trials are hard. They suck. But, but, but these, these trials are not useless. They don't not have a purpose. Like God wouldn't give it, give it to you for senseless punishment. There is a reason yeah. trials happen. Um, yeah. And part of that reason is our enemy, Satan. Yeah, this is, to me, it is, trials is, I think, the most important um, point here in my mind, and that it's also very hard to wrap your head around or to under or to hear. It's very hard to hear that um, God is the one who wills these trials and bad things and sufferings to happen. Like he is behind them. Um, and it's not Satan that drives it. Um, I have a John Piper quote that says the design in them is not ultimately a design of evil men or the design of Satan, which are real enough, but it's a design of God. Um, but at the same time, we know earlier that he won't, um, or that he is the God of keeping us in our faith and preserving this inheritance for us. So it's nothing, that's nothing that can be taken away. Um, and so he is ultimately not going to lead us astray through suffering if we can't handle it or if it's not for need be, um, in that. I don't know. It's just I don't know. for me. It's just kind of hard to 
hard to hear, but it's also when we unpack this even more, uh, it's really powerful to know that we don't like, um, we look at, we can see God's design in the distress because he's the one who wills it. And we can see how God is working through the distresses together for our good. And it's not that it's something separate from God. It's because um, God knows we can handle it and produces so many good things as we see in verses seven um, that may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Those are the things that we can receive or that that's the reason why we undergo these things if they're necessary is to produce even a greater product and that's praise, honor, and glory. Hmm. Good yeah. word. Examples of that too, you know, people who you imagine are up in heaven uh, and have the highest rewards in heaven are people who have gone through a lot of these really difficult trials. And that's true for just about everyone in the Bible. You know, everyone we look up to has to some extent who we read about here. They've gone through quite a lot. Um, so, you know, it, it shows that those trials are useful in, we learn from them by reading about them in other people. You look at David, you read about his trials. We learn from them. You see David learn from them. So you see the point of the trials, right? Um, mm-hmm. Throughout scripture. Never yeah. while you're going through them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Always after. But if I could, I kind of rambled there for a second. I want to bring in this, another John Piper quote here that I guess better <laughs> sums up what I was trying to say. Um, he says, but yes, he does will that these things be in the sense that he could prevent any of those things, but sometimes does not, but rather guides them because of higher designs than the destructiveness of sin or the deceitfulness of Satan or the painfulness of suffering. And then he brings in first Peter three seventeen, um, which says for it is better to suffer for doing good. If that should be God's will than for doing evil. Um, so I think that's an important distinction is that mm. when God is behind and you can see God in the design of these sufferings, like he does it for such a great purpose. Um, and that will help us really enjoy the inheritance to the fullest possible measure when we go through these. Definitely. Yeah. Good word. Yeah. I think that, that describes the, the, the 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 purpose of trials in that way. Sorry, <laughs> took, took a little bit for my words to get get put in my mouth there. Yes, well um, said. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and moving moving forward, um, going on in verse six, uh, you have been grieved by various trials, um, like trouble and trials. They they lead to turmoil they're in unrest in your life and that th- this trouble and turmoil comes in various forms various different kinds of trials uh, they, it could be like literally anything one of one of paul's was the thorn in his flesh you know yeah. and jonah's was preaching to nineveh um and that was obviously, and of course, the plant dying on him too. That was yes. one of the yes. worst trials in the whole. The Bible. plant being grown above him just to die. Yeah. <laughs> How <laughs> frustrating that, that must have been. <laughs> Go listen to our Jonah podcast for that. 
But at the same point, like, such the, the littlest tiny things in our life can definitely feel like trials sometimes. Um, just as Jonah, I'm sure, did actually feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> and and he, he came through through that with a with a greater faith, you know, hopefully and, and greater knowledge that the Lord loves all. But yes, it will take various forms. Um, and lastly, that trouble should not diminish our joy. Um, and that's that's with a lot in seven here, where it's, it is so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That these trials will actually allow us to, to better seek Christ and see Christ as, as we go through them. And it, it actually confirms that when you go through temptation and you come out on the other side, that you find your faith is stronger, more genuine, and that your salvation is true. And that is a great, great Amen. thought. Yeah, I think that's, that's, and it points to the idea that like, God doesn't, you know, to us or allow us to go through these things. So he, I mean, but so he can see how strong our faith is. It's like, God knows how strong our faith is. He's up there. He doesn't like, he can look at how strong your faith is, but we get these trials more or less. So we can see how strong our faith is. Mm. And then when you come out of it on the other end, you can look back and, and determine where you're at in your faith. Um, and then you can build from there. He says back together things that have fallen apart, or um, you can look to God even more, you know, going through trials that shows us where our lives are at and where our hearts are at. Cause God already knows that. And he's trying to bring us even closer to him. Yeah, I really like the, in verse 7, the phrase genuous, genuineness of our faith. And that's what's being compared to being more precious than gold. Um, yeah, this is kind of reiterated elsewhere in the Bible, how um, faith and wisdom, etc., is more valuable than anything else. And um, like I think of Proverbs, um, here brought up Proverbs 3, 13 and onward. It says, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. And the habits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Um, yeah, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. Um, and so I feel like, you know, that's iterated throughout the Bible, and especially here, um, because uh, all those other things, even gold, when they're refined by fire, they may melt. You look at um lord of the rings um <laughs> when the when the ring melts when um yeah. yeah the ring melts there that's a ring of gold that cannot melt anywhere elsewhere or melt elsewhere it's indestructible otherwise but it too has an end um and so does anything else that's on earth that's perishable but when you have this faith and wisdom it's more precious than gold because it's not perishable and it's kept by an imperishable god um, mm. and through trials, through the fire that it survives, um, that's something we can cling to always 
because it won't go away. And that's why even through suffering, it is such a great gift and something that we, our eyes may be opened up to, like Justin, you said, because God knows how powerful or God knows what our, where our faith is at, but sometimes we need to see it and have it grow in us as well um, through suffering. Yeah. It will destroy things that need to be destroyed and it will reveal what is actually strong and what can withstand the fire. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego withstood the fire. <laughs> With Jesus Christ. Boom. <laughs> I, lo- I love the many, way these, the, the many different ways fire is used in the, <laughs> in the Bible. That's obviously the most, like, the most beautiful one. But then, in the general context of this chapter when Nero burns down Rome, also <laughs> fire goes up. So it all that's not the fire we're talking about. <laughs> yes. And I mean, even in Exodus, the pillar of fire that led Israel out of Egypt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the fire. Give me all the fire. <laughs> you Give can imagine the if, fire. If uh, I mean, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were to have a podcast, it would be called In the Fire. But I think you're like Peter and Paul had a podcast, maybe it would also be called In Fire. And maybe it would have been named after this fire in Rome. Maybe. Here we are yeah. in the fire. <laughs> if, this, if this letter was a podcast, mm. maybe they would have called it In the Fire. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, just maybe. Y'all have anything else to say on seven, 6 and 7? I do not. I do not. I'm just going to say so that the tested genuineness genuineness of your faith faith is just a great, great example of cool language again. Um, Yeah, it's just great. I like it. And moving on, the last two verses, um, verses eight and nine. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Um, yeah, any, any starting thoughts on, on these two fellows here? Shout out to the alliteration and salvation of your souls. I don't know if that was still alliteration in uh, Greek or whatever language this is written in, but I like it in English. Whoever translated it did a good job. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I know for me, verse eight always sticks out when I, when I read this passage. Um, And I think it it really speaks to the heart of the power of the gospel. I mean, people so often tend to rely on everything they can see and everything they can touch um, as, as they go throughout life. And here is the gospel, our relationship with, with God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that it's completely life-changing, and it's completely invisible and unknowable to our earthly senses. Uh, for who can know the, myster- the mysterious ways of the Lord? And we, we can look back to Exodus once again. Um, and the Israelites were unable to put their faith in the literal pillar of fire that was that had just led them out of <laughs> Egypt. And Moses is like up on a mountain, 
getting the the Ten Commandments, and A. A. Ron decides <laughs> to make a golden calf. <laughs> <laughs> he 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 makes something tangible, something they can see, um, something they can know. That they know what calves are. They know what gold is. They can see gold. It's shiny. It's bright. The sun reflects off of it, and they they worship that instead of the Lord. And it's it's just an example of how hard it is to 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 give your life to something you cannot see as people who live in this world, as people who are so focused on the physical and the present. And it also shows just how amazing and life-changing the gospel is as we do not see and we do not know, but we, but we trust and we have faith, which is just fully transformative through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, how often do we do the same exact thing that like Aaron did in that scenario? You know, we may not so have often. a pillar of fire <laughs> ahead of us or a giant cloud leading us through the desert. But in a sense, we do because you have pieces of your life that where everything is pointing to God. But then we say, oh, hey, I'm going to build a golden calf of, uh, <laughs> of uh, whatever I want to do of my job or of watching TV or eating food. I mean, fill in anything for golden calf. Um, anything can be a temptation like that. And anything can be an idol. And we do that all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And it's easy to look back at Aaron. Cause tangible golden calf. Huh? What a fool. <laughs> but the same exact thing happens to us. Um, yeah. So it's, it's faith is a difficult thing. Mm-hmm. It's definitely. It's funny how misleading our eyes are, and the things that we see are like on the one, yeah, on the one side we see Aaron and them wanting to praise something physical, something real that they can see, and so they build this golden calf. And there's many other examples in our lives now with idols that we we sort of praise the things that we can see. But on the flip side, um. <laughs> You look in the days of Jesus when people could actually see Jesus and could see yeah. God in real life, and they didn't believe once they saw him. Mm. Um, so <laughs> it's funny, it's ironic how um, it kind of goes both ways. It shows how, yeah, I think it just shows how mis- we humans are helpless apart from God when we want to, we build up these things that we can see so we can praise them. But then when the real God is visible in real life, they're countless people who did not believe in him when they could see him so yeah um yeah i think it happens to the best of us i mean Mm -hmm. like aaron was the high priest (laughs) yeah right and he's doing it so you know even those of us who are in those higher positions everyone falls victim to this indeed that they do that they do um, I have I have a few questions here. Um, just just that we can get some discussion going here at the end at the end of in the episode. Um, how do verses eight and nine relate to Christians being sojourners in a foreign land? 
so I see the two points of faith and hope. The hope came up earlier too, living hope. And those, to me, a couple of weeks ago, we discussed those a little in a little more detail. Um, but that encapsulates a lot of what it is, what it means to be strangers in a strange land, to be, you know, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, living in this world, in this fallen world. We have faith that we can't see, and that faith produces hope in us, and that gives us faith it's like a loop um you you know you have hope for what is to come so you believe in it you have faith in it and because you have that faith that hope is even stronger because you know it's coming um and so you know we live in this world and we go through trials and we go through persecution and circumstances of the world around us and it really weighs you down but we realize that there are things that are at play that are greater than what we see here and that the faith and hope, which go very much hand in hand, pointing eternity. Yeah, you think of heaven as our as our homeland and our inheritance. That's our land. Um, we're not there yet, and these the context behind this when um, um, yeah, when Nero burns down Rome, I, you can certainly think that all these Christians didn't think that they were where they belonged. Um, but again, yeah, that goes back to hope. Peter presents this tremendous hope that we have if we have faith. Um, and that's where we look our, look our eyes to having this eternal perspective and that, uh, our inheritance in the end is the salvation of our souls when we receive faith and we can endure what we are going through in this place that is not our homeland through this faith and knowing that. God has his design over it all and is with us. Definitely. And, you know, looking forward to, to our inheritance when we're going to be in eternity, like we're going to, we're going to be able to see God in, in our perfected bodies, you know, Um, we can't see him now, see him here. And that, that gives us, hope for the future and when in the future we will we will be with him we're not in our home because we can't see him um and when we are home when we do come home we will be able to we will be in heaven and we love him this much now without seeing him we have faith in him we have hope in him we have inexpressible joy filled with glory and in our salvation through Jesus Christ, we will imagine how much more we'll have in eternity. Yeah, eternal Actually, Christians. I, it, I love that you bring that up because I'm. I'm. We didn't read this, but verse twelve of First Peter alludes to the fact that um, even the angels in heaven desire to for a peak of what God has in store for eternity, because it's even beyond what they think can happen. Even the angels are amazed at the salvation that God has in store for us. Um, so we have no idea. They have no idea. God knows. But they, the angels who are with God now even know that it's even what currently exists. <laughs> That's so awesome <clears throat> to think about. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I love it. And now the second discussion question, in what ways 
can we see God without seeing him physically? Yeah. So I think, um, again, that there are more important ways to see than through physical sight. As I mentioned, our eyes are misleading. And I feel like a lot of people, non-believers, don't believe in God because of like, well, we don't see him. If only we could see him, then we could believe him. But once again, at a time when Jesus was on earth, people saw him and didn't believe him. Um, and so rather relying on our eyes to physically see the things we believe in there, are, I think it's more important to rely on the Holy Spirit to open our eyes. So I feel like there is spiritual sight. Um, and that's through the testing of our faith. That's through um, becoming a stronger Christian and growing closer to God. We can see um we can see how God has worked in our lives through that, through our suffering, through our trials. Uh, and then also we have these tremendous examples in the Bible that we can read with our eyes um, that further reveal God to us and God revealing himself to us through these, through these verses and books of the Bible. Um, so I think those are a couple great forms of sight that are not physical, that we can see God. I completely agree. Um, in, in John chapter 3, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he said, wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear it. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. It's the same deal here. You can't see the wind, but you can see the results of the wind. You can see the leaves rustling. Mm. Um, you can see when you hit a golf ball up, you can see the golf ball go flying off in the wind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think hopefully if you hit a good shot <laughs> the, um, the the wind is is God in act and what you actually see is the outcome of the proof God even if you can't see him you can see the proof and the circumstances of your life the things that are happening around you you, see, you know those people that you know come to believe in Christ and you see their lives change that is proof that God is out there and that's a good way to see God without seeing him physically. Um, and if you are for all the physical sight, there's a whole world out there which God created that is beautiful. Um, mm. You know, mm -hmm. go, creation itself is a testament to, to God and how we should have faith in him. Because if he created this world and in its fallen state, it is as beautiful as it is. And you look at the, like, look at pictures of the universe. Just go, like, if you Google pictures of the universe the galaxy. Um, one of my favorite things to do over the last couple of years has been to go on YouTube and search like drone video of <laughs> insert some land here, Canada or New Zealand yeah. is one that I love to look at. And it's just drones flying above the land and over the oceans. And it's incredible. Um, that's physical proof right there um, of, of creation from God. Definitely. Yeah, I think you know God has this design in non yeah in non physical ways. You can see God's design and through how He's worked through circumstances in our lives and seeing people who are just as He mentioned or influenced by the God. But then you can see also, yeah, God's physical physical design on this world through the natural beauty of creation in the world. And when you look at those drone shots or you look at pictures of the galaxy or of these beautiful landforms on earth. It's like, it's peaceful. It's rejuvenating. Yeah. And I think that's for a reason because you can see your creator in that. Which is awesome. I think that was well said. 
Yeah. Do you have any any closing words before I end with the P- Peter's words of the chapter? I do not. All right. Well, Peter ends this chapter with a quote from Isaiah. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Um, This is just a simple reminder that the word of the Lord is everything we need, our inheritance, our foundation in trials, and our link to the invisibly omnipresent God, which is kind of cool. The word. Got to be in the, the Bible. Word. <laughs> word. There's there's your proof of God, the Bible itself. <laughs> mm-hmm. He gave us his word, and it is pretty awesome. <laughs> that it is. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray us out here. Unless you all want to say one more thing. Uh, good topic. This is awesome. Great topic, yeah. This is a fun Thank one. You. Muchas gracias. All right. Dear Lord, pray with me. Um, thank you so much for this, this wonderful Saturday morning that we're recording on. Uh, thank you for Justin, for Peter, for all of our listeners, Lord. Uh, like four and a half of them. Um, and just <laughs> thank you just so much that we're able to get here gather together, talk about your word, talk about your faithfulness, the hope we have, our inheritance in you, God, um, and that we can do that freely and together as as one body. And just please help us as we go out into this week to, to seek you, to seek your face in the world around us, to try and see you, and to, to, really, to really know you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I love how you gave a shout out to only half of an individual. <laughs> half a shout out. Um, I figure there's somebody out I, there who only listened to half an episode. <laughs> I feel if that person is feels excluded in any way, <laughs> I'm sorry, unless it's Eric, then that's, <laughs> then that's fair. <laughs> well, um, if you want to get in touch with us, we have an email. Justin, what's our email? Fire at gmail.com. The number. Amazing. And then the letter in the fire. In the fire. <laughs> <laughs> Not the emojis. Um, Peter, we also have an Instagram. What is that? At in the fire podcast. Amazing. The at being the at sign not the letters. <laughs> yeah do not go at the at in the fire podcast <laughs> the username at is at simply <laughs> in the fire podcast. <laughs> well all right please get in touch with us we'd love to talk to you if you have any suggestions for episodes please let us know um yeah thank you for listening have a blessed day